You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, that's us. And we're coming to you right now. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Glad everybody has dialed us in on this Wednesday afternoon as we head into a huge football weekend. The uh, the stories are plentiful. Uh, we could go to baseball and how the Rays wore a glove on one hand for apparently no reason. That's the old Michael Jackson joke. Then um, you got Kevin Harvick being DQ'd from the Yellowwood 500. And he finished second by four inches. Uh, sorry to hear the passing of Ray Hudson, former Alabama great. Uh, we'll get into greater detail about that. He was just a phenomenal person and player. But uh, two stories rise to the top of my fold. Uh, first of all, transfer portal has been shortened uh, depending on the season for certain sports uh, at the college level to 45 days. The big news is, and it's continuing to be news across our nation, as the state of Georgia has passed an NIL deal for high school athletes. Uh, the first thing that pops out that we already know is the NCAA is not even a former shell of itself. Does it even exist? Do they have offices? Do they open them up? But uh, this is out of control, Lars. We talked about this when Missouri did it because that is another SEC state. But this is just mind-boggling. Am I, over, I overreacting? This is out of control. This is wrong. Yeah. Um Gosh, uh, I don't even know where to begin on this because it's a joke. Um, so Georgia now becomes the 30th state to allow high school athletes to uh, sign name, image, and likeness deals. Now, but this is what's written into the Georgia state law that uh, the new Georgia High School Association, actually they, they passed the measure, so it's not a state law. It is the Georgia High School Association, uh, GHSA. And here's, this is, this is the laughable part. The new GS, GHSA policy will not allow student athletes the ability to earn money for their performance on the field. Okay. A local enterprise will not be able to pay a star athlete or a star player for their performance in terms of anything they do on the field. No compensation for a win or touchdowns. It, it just can't be based on, again, like just uh, the, uh, the you statistics. You can't give them a hundred bucks for a touchdown. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then you can't use the intellectual property of the school. Um, and you can't even use your own game highlights, uh, in any advertisement or promotion. So, but the, 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 the idea that they're not earning money because of their performance on the field, I mean, that's why they're earning money is because of their performance on the field. Right, uh, and, and so it's horribly so, worded in all of this. It, it is. It is horribly worded. It is horribly worded. Uh, clearly, a lawyer did not write that one. Um, but uh, you know, the, the impact that this has on Georgia, not much. Because unlike Missouri, the the law that was passed in Missouri 
that says uh, you can only give a kid a high school NIL deal as long as that player goes to a university in the state of Missouri. Uh, that, that is not the case in Georgia. Anyone can go into Georgia, or sorry, the, the players can go wherever they want uh, after they receive this NIL money. And, uh, you know, I, I just sort of looked this up and uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, the companies that are signing uh, high school kids to NIL deals. You got uh, Nike, of course, no shocker there, uh, K Jewelers, Panini, uh, Panini America, College Hunks Hauling Junk. Not even sure huh? what that is. <laughs> That's the name of a company that, that is that, sponsored. That, that doesn't uh, sound uh, like yeah. a website that involves um, football. Yeah, uh, Spalding and, and Puma and, and and a few others. And, uh, you know, it, it's this is just the way we're the way things are going. And, you know, what uh, the executive director uh, for the Georgia high schools was saying, uh, his name's Robin Hines, is basically that um, he just wants to get in front of any litigation or legislation that could force them to do this. Because again, the Supreme Court has said you can't artificially limit a player's ability to make money based on uh, based, based on their name, image, and likeness uh, for you know by uh, by some bylaw right in the NCA and, and and that now trickles down to high schools. So I mean, basically, there's there's opening things up, right? And so it's uh, and, and what this will do is. In high school, it will have the same effect that it's having in college football. If there is open enrollment in these different schools, um, right? Because the schools who have the boosters that will be willing to pay the most money, they will get the best players. How much money do you think Dylan Rayola is making right now? In Buford, Georgia? In Buford, Georgia. Or is about to make. Not as is about to be yeah. his, uh, you know, the I think it was the on three. Uh, the, they evaluate how much money a kid is worth, and Riola as a high school senior is like about seven hundred and thirty thousand. Um, so uh, Riola, I'm sure, is very happy uh, about this. But again, he's already there, and so it's just uh, the, the the disease. That is infecting college football is now infecting high school football and high school and sports. It, it it boggles my mind. And and again, it is so loosely and poorly written, I can't figure out some of my own what ifs. But let's say you've got a superstar, five star, off the chart player, and they're a junior at a very small rural high school. Well, somebody that just happens to be a Georgia fan can go in there and say, how would you like this brand new BMW 6 Series? Okay. So in this rural area where most people are driving pickup trucks, now suddenly the star quarterback has a BMW. He's pulling in the parking lot. Does that not uh, separate him from the rest of the school, not to mention his team? Uh, I don't get it. 
but I don't know how to stop it. The only way is for the federal government to step in and pass something that is a national law. And by the way, this is passed by the Georgia High School Athletic Association. What's yes. to say the state can't come in and override all this? They can. They can't. So yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's just a mess that just keeps getting messier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, uh, there, a quarterback who plays for uh, Carrollton, uh, Julian Juju Lewis, he's one of the nation's top prospects in the class of 2026. Um, he has an offer from Georgia. He's tentatively agreed to go to USC. But let's just say now, like this kid, <laughs> he's in the class of 2026, and he looks just so young, so young. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Um, let, let's say that, uh, you know, somebody from Georgia comes in and like, hey, I will give you X amount of dollars if you flip to Georgia. Or somebody but from... But you're not supposed to... But that's, that's, uh, excuse you, me for interrupting, but I didn't think you were supposed to use it not, as an incentive. But, but, but this you, reads as, as an incentive to stay at the high school, the way I read say, it. Yeah, but also... But, but don't, I'm just telling you, this is real word. Because there's no consequences. And how are you going to find it out? Because there's no way to police this. So what if a guy from, uh, you know, is a graduate of Georgia and has uh, got millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and he says, hey, if you come to Georgia, I'll give you this and we'll filter it through somebody else. I mean, there, it's just so many ways around this because this isn't, uh, uh, you know, it's not binding. It's just by the uh, High School Athletic Association in Georgia. And so, yeah, Matt, this is just a mess. Steve Savarese, who is a long-time commissioner, president of the Alabama High School Athletic Association, is quoted in the AL.com article saying the amateur sports are no longer going to be around and NIL in high school will completely change the dynamics of everything. I love Steve Savarese and he is spot on. Hey, we've got a ton to talk about. Mike Rodak is going to join us in just a minute. We'll get his thoughts on this NIL per state. You said 30 now. That's amazing. Also, uh, Alabama, of course, traveling to Texas A&M. A lot of people are leaning on the old Aggies when it comes to picking this game. And uh, then you've got baseball. And I don't know if you watched what Tampa Bay tried to do last night, but at least they only had 19,000 fans to not enjoy it. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Mike Rodak is next. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm this afternoon. The high today, 85. Fair tonight, below 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. And for Friday, occasionally cloudy. The chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. And many of our Big Noon Sports Alabama-related interviews are brought to you by Marley Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. Joining us now from 24-7, 24-7 Sports, Bama 24-7 Sports. I'll give you as many introductions as I can here, Mike. Mike Rodak, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's middle of the season. Uh, you're, you're busy, busy, busy. Let me just ask you this real quick. What story are you working on right now, and when will we see it? <laughs> well, the story is is actually about, um, you know, remember a couple years ago, Saban talking about the transfer portal when it, all, all the rules changed and everything came out where players can move so easily, and NIL came out, and I think Saban at the time said that, you know, are the rich going to get richer? And I think at first that was true, but now is that still true? Um, that's, that's kind of the question I had. And, you know, I think it applies to this game, particularly with two of the quote unquote richest teams in Alabama and A&M. And, uh, one of them is ranked 11th in the country and the other one's unranked. Um, so I sort of asking the question, you know, have the rich actually gotten richer, uh, with the current environment? So. Uh, as to the question of when we'll see that, it's either going to be this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Mike, uh, thank you so much for giving us time. Um, this uh, trip to College Station marks the, the second half, right, of a back-to-back conference road trip coming from Starkville. And I came across this interesting stat. Only three SEC teams since 2018 have won back-to-back road games. Um, and it's uh, it's sort of a bit strange, like, you know, Alabama having – uh, going to South Florida and then these early back-to-back road games in two of the loudest environments. Uh, do you read much into that statistic? Uh, do you think it's a big deal uh, going uh, on back-to-back road trips? Um, not particularly. I mean, there's certain factors that come into play. You know, obviously Mississippi State's been one of the easier places for Alabama to play um, in terms of results. Um, you know, they've, they've blown them out the last few times they've played there. Um, you know, the Cowbells are loud, but overall it's still one of the smaller stadiums in the SEC. That place was empty by the third quarter. Um, and I think even Tyler Booker said, you know, the Cowbells were a little bit overrated. So, you know, is that the toughest environment to play in? No, like I think it's probably bottom three or four in the SEC. I mean, obviously, Vandy and Kentucky and Missouri are probably up there um, in terms of places you would want to play on the road. Um, yeah, I'd, obviously, a and kind of at the other end of the spectrum. It's one of the largest stadiums in the country. Um, it's 
you know, does it help that it's not a night game? I don't know. Like, I think the crowd's still going to be really into it on Saturday. You know, I think one of the things that probably hurts Alabama a little bit is it was a late game against Mississippi State. You know, bus ride back. They don't get back to one thirty, two o'clock Sunday morning. Um, and then you have another road game that you're traveling to on Friday. So that's a quick turnaround. But overall, I mean, I don't want to say it's Alabama's fault that they scheduled South Florida, but that was, you know, obviously a non-conference. That was their choice to, to go on the road and do the, the two-for-one. So uh, that was a little bit more in their control. And the SEC games aren't in their control. That's that's up to the league office. But um, I don't know if it was a disadvantage putting Mississippi State and Texas a and back-to-back for them. A&M, uh, I think, Mike, presents a real threat to this Alabama football team who t- continues to get better. A&M uh, fails to get consistency. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think A&M's got a better than good chance to win this thing. No, I agree. I think it's certainly that's you know reflected even in the, the betting lines in the game. It was only three and a half, four points, and they came out on Sunday. I think there's a lot of anticipation for a, a close game and one that certainly Alabama could lose. And to be honest, I think that applies to, I would say, five out of their seven games left. I mean, besides this one, going to Kentucky, like Kentucky's been playing well. I mean, they could lose to Georgia here. and That momentum could be lost as it usually happens this time of year for them. But that's still, that's still a tough game. Obviously, Auburn, the Iron Bowl, is always going to be tough in Jordan-Hare. We saw what happened to Georgia last week in that building. I mean, LSU is is one of the best offenses in the country, and um, that's still a tough game. Tennessee, I think, you know, is playing great running the ball. That's still a dangerous team. Like, so it's other than Arkansas, and you know, Arkansas is not playing very well, and obviously the Chattanooga game, like, it's a toss-up. All those games are toss-ups to me. Um, so it's not just this one. I think there's there's five games that you can't really pencil in for anything right now. Um, and that's, it's going to be up to this Alabama team to prove itself. I think they've proven some things the last game and a half here. Um, but I still have major questions about this offense. I still would have major questions. Let's say they're, um, down, you know, by a touchdown late in the game on Saturday. You know, do you trust this passing offense with Jalen Milrow to, to move down the field quickly and, and score a touchdown? I, I personally wouldn't, um, you know, especially compared to what we've seen lately. So that's, that's a big, big question mark for me. Um, two people on the uh, on Texas A&M side I'm fascinated by are uh, Bobby Petrino and Max Johnson. Uh, how do you think Petrino's done so far? And I mentioned this yesterday. I, I think Max Johnson ultimately could be an upgrade at, at the quarterback position. I know he started the second string, and unfortunate, there, unfortunately, there's an injury to the starter. But Max Johnson, and I, I just, I, I've always really liked this kid going back to when he was at LSU. Yeah, um, both good questions. I can't say I've watched much of A&M this year to have a great feel of you know what's been different. You know, with Petrino statistically, A&M I'm looking right now is. 34th in the country in offense, uh, you know, 443 yards. Um, you know, defensively, they had their issues against Miami, uh, but they have really cleaned that up lately to now, you know, they're fifth in the country in, in giving up 253 yards. And that's kind of been just listening to Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher this morning within the past hour on their, their conference calls. That's, um, you know, seems to be the story of the game is A&M's defense really getting yeah, better. And I, I believe they're, they're ranked 
number one in, in defense in the SEC right now, in which, SEC, is, yep. which is mind-boggling considering what uh, Miami of Florida did to him. Right, yeah. Obviously, it takes a lot to, to overcome that uh, you know, on an average basis. So, um, you know, in, in terms of Max Johnson, like, you know, he has played against Alabama before, you know, the LSU game two years ago, Coach O's final stand, if you will, um, you know, did not play all that well. I think he was right around 50% completion right in that game. You know, LSU had a chance at the end. Alabama's offense did not play well in that game, as you might remember. And there's the fake punt and all that, and LSU had a chance, and there's some fourth downs I think it came down to at the end and, and didn't really come through for him. Um, so, you know, I, to compare him and, and uh, Connor Wigman, I'm not – I just haven't seen enough of A&M to really know is it truly – um, the difference, you know, or is it something where Max Johnson has come in and, you know, can do the same thing? I mean, I think back to two years ago with Zach Calzada coming in, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just need to have a really good game as a backup, and you might not be as good as the starter, but if you play well that day, then uh, that's all you really need to win that game. So, you know, certainly dangerous, and he's, he's a veteran. He's been around for, for three or four years now in the SEC. So, um, yeah, certainly someone to be concerned about, especially with the weapons that they have at receiver with with Evan Stewart in particular. In order to prevent a situation like you just gave us, and that's down seven, coming back, having to pass, I think that puts significant importance on the running game. Point blank, Mike Rodak, 24-7. Can Alabama run on Texas A&M? I'm not sure that they can. And that's something that I think has been a little bit overrated with this Alabama team so far this year. I think, you know, obviously comparatively and relatively, their running game has been better uh, than their passing game, but it really hasn't been great. And statistically, it's it's bottom third of the country in terms of yards per uh, rushing attempt. They're right around, I think, four yards a carry. And, you know, part of that, you know, sacks in college football count for your rushing yards, so they've taken a lot of sacks and a lot of sack yardage, so that's going to drag that down a little bit, but the consistency in having Jason McClellan and Roydell Williams, you know, really on a whole game basis, you know, first and second downs, making those shorter has really not been there. Um, and they've had some, some good spurts here and there, you know, Roydell in the second half against South Florida and Jason second half against Ole Miss, but the overall output, even, you know, Mississippi state actually outran Alabama. It was really Milrose 53 yard run that helped Alabama's average. But even then, it was still less than what Mississippi State was able to do. So, um, and this is going to be a really tough defensive front to run against. You know, we're a lot of talented players for A&M. So, I would have my questions um, with Alabama's ability to run. I think that's still their best method of offense, you know, compared to their passing game. But it's um, it's not where it needs to be. And uh, ever since the Texas game, this Alabama defense has been lights out. I mean, they absolutely uh, stifled uh, Ole Miss, which, uh, you know, the following week, wow, I, they absolutely, on Saturday, they, they lit up the LSU defense, and, and they played really, Alabama's defense played really, really well on Saturday. Um, I guess my, my question is, what, what are your expectations for the Alabama defense uh, this Saturday in College Station? And is there anything that has surprised you about this Alabama defense? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the first part. I, I, my expectations, I'd say, I, I wouldn't expect it to be a problem 
for Alabama. Like, I think if, if they're going to lose this game, I think we're all going to be talking about the offense the next day. Like, I don't expect Max Johnson to go up and down the field on them, um, score 40 points, and, you know, they, they lose in a shootout. Like, I, I just don't think that's going to be the way this game goes. Granted, that's kind of what happened with Zach Calzada a couple of years ago, and that was a, statistically a very good Alabama defense coming into that game two years ago. Um, and it's right around the same mark this year um, to where it's been, you know, through five games the last few years. So, you know, sometimes you do get fooled or teased a little bit early in the year with, with some of these Alabama defenses, and then they get into a different environment or a bigger game, and uh, it doesn't really work out. We saw that happen, you know, obviously with Tennessee last year. So you never are completely sure. Um, but I would expect it to be pretty good. And they had their moments against Mississippi State. Saban, when he was bad on the sideline, was really because of the run defense, giving up what they did in the second half there. So um, confident, but not nothing's guaranteed, I would say, at the defense. Our guest, you're listening to Mike Rodak, Bama 24-7. Hey, your code this hour to win $30,000, go to the Tide 100.9 app, enter the code 746. Also want to remind you to drop by and see Lars, myself, and Laura Lee this Friday afternoon, noon to 2, at NS Free. It's the Friday place to be, and we will be there, and we will also be right back. Football to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Stansing, Union Home Mortgage. And our guest from Bama 24-7 is Mike Rodak. I'm just looking at your website, and you have an article posted about Deontay Lawson. What is his status at linebacker? Yeah, so Saban was just asked about that um, on his, his morning SEC conference call here. And somewhat surprisingly, he said he's able to practice this week, which you had, I remember last week there was the report from Chris Lowe um, that basically said, you know, he might miss multiple games. I think that was widely the expectation, you know, with, when Lawson went down against Ole Miss, that it's probably a couple-week injury, you know, with an ankle sprain and the position he plays, what's, you know, required of him. So my, my read is still that that's, what's going to happen you know he's going to miss multiple games in other words he's going to miss this game but there's also probably some uh value or some gamesmanship from Saban and, and kind of leaving the door open and, and saying you know we'll evaluate him tomorrow you know later this week essentially is what Saban said uh again my my gut feeling is that Jihad Campbell played perfectly fine perfectly well really against Mississippi State and there's no reason to rush Deontay Lawson back even given the importance of this game um to have someone who's not yeah, you know, it's only ten, you know, days after the injury right now. Um, just give him some time, and then you know the other part of that too that I think had gotten a lot of play after the Mississippi State game was Jermaine Burton not playing very much in that game, and there was some question as to whether he was hurt or not. And Saban was asked about it today and said that he was a little bit banged up, and so they were trying to manage that, you know, in Starkville. Um, and so I would expect to see more of him um, in this game, you know, given the fact that he's had a week to kind of rest now or two weeks really you know mike when you mentioned zach calzada uh my mind raced back to 2010 when uh, top ranked alabama went uh and played south carolina on the road and 
Oh my gosh, Stephen Garcia just lit Alabama up, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. just a, a performance out of nowhere, uh, and ends up you know uh, orchestrating the upset, and you know he eventually gets booted from the team a year later, and then Zach Calzada. Oh my God, I mean he was 21 of 31 last year or two years ago, uh, 285 yards, three touchdowns. As, uh, as A&M upset number one Alabama 41-38. Uh, fun fact, you know where Zach Calzada is right now? I do because I looked it up last week. So <laughs> I'm say it. Yeah, go ahead. Here's here. He is at Incarnate Word. <laughs> do, you, do you know where Incarnate Word is? I don't. I believe it's in Texas, right? Oh yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, yeah. he's still in Texas. Yeah, um, and I, you know, wish the best for him. But uh, anyway, what's he just, doing? He doesn't still have eligibility, does he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's playing. Yeah, he just. Uh, I think he was just like uh, player of the week. I think, right, Mike? Uh, uh, sure. for, I would have for, to look that up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, FCS. I'm not an expert in FCS football, but no. it's amazing. You know, two years after beating Alabama and. Uh, you're an FCS quarterback in Incarnate Word. It's just, it's funny how it works sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I just want to throw that in there because I find I it really interesting. what their NIL structure is. <laughs> yeah. You might get um, free ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you expect the Alabama defense, uh, what, what, what's the game plan, you think, against Max Johnson and uh, this uh, Texas A&M defense, or offense, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question because we've seen kind of different ways that they've done it. You know, they were blitzing a lot against Mississippi State um, and, and kind of playing a little bit lighter. You know, they were trying to stop the pass against Mississippi State, even though they're, they've they certainly moved away from being that air raid offense. And, you know, Mississippi State ran the ball in, in some obvious passing situations and um, kind of got past some, some blitzes in that sense. And, um, you know, that's kind of how they had their success, a little bit more than what Saban expected. I don't know if they blitz quite as much against Texas, um, and they weren't able to get as much pressure um, because of that the protection scheme, scheme that Texas ran, and um, you know, Ewers is getting the ball out a little bit quicker, so that was a little more coverage based. Um, so yeah, you know, there's there's different ways of doing. It. I, I I don't know, um, you know, if you pressure Max Johnson, he gets rid of the ball. Let's say to Anaya Smith on a screen, or you know, gets the ball out quickly and Smith is able to make plays in space which he's had a couple of good games against Alabama he scored four touchdowns the last two games um then you can get yourself in trouble that way um you know you can try to limit some of the downfield passing to Evan Stewart um you know the running game of, of A&M I, I would say isn't quite what it was and I don't have to double check statistically what it was um you know with A-Chain and sort of his speed obviously he's He's doing some big things in the NFL uh, for the Dolphins, but um, yeah, it, it's I don't know if there's one particular route you need to take defensively to, to stop a And M. I'm I'm not finding them in the top fifty in terms of of rushing offenses, so I don't know if you have to worry about that quite as much as you know maybe you did with Spiller and um, in a chain. I want to shift gears to the NIL. I'm sure you've read and are aware of the fact that Georgia's State Athletic Association has passed an NIL deal for high school athletes in the state of Georgia. I don't want to ask you about that. What I want to ask you about, is there a chance that Alabama is working on something similar? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I honestly have not followed the, the legislative stuff too closely on that. Um, so I, I'm really not sure. I, I do know, you know, when the original NIL stuff came out two years ago and you started having states even proactively, um, you know, create and draft legislation to, to set themselves up for it. It was a lot of talk about, you know, you want to be competitive with other states because you don't want a university in, in a different state to have a, a law that gives them an easier time than what you might have in Alabama. So um, in ter- like at some point, it, there's become so many other states that have it. I think I saw the numbers like 30-something now that would you have some yep. sort of NIL uh, allowance for, for high school players and um, you know, you don't want to be the state that doesn't. Not that, you know, high school players necessarily are choosing where to go to school. I mean, it's based on where they grow up, but um, you don't want to put your players in a position where they're then moving out of the state to go to Georgia and make money or something like that. So I would imagine at some point, you know, there, there's something out there that kind of standardizes it. Mike, you're with the team uh, day in and day out, and uh, we're five games into the season. Uh, it's a good time to kind of just uh, take stock of, of where we are. Uh, who is your biggest sort of mo- most pleasant surprise? It could either be a player or a position group, and then uh, in, a, in a good way, right? And who is the, the, the player or position group that has surprised you kind of in a negative way? Yeah, it's funny. We actually just did that for our website um, on Bama 24-7. You can read our, our VIP roundtable uh, where we talked about that. So I'll name the two players that I did in that in that piece, which was Taron Arnold, I think, is, is really the guy that comes to mind in terms of exceeding my expectations because he, he had a rough year last year. Remember, he came in and started right away and had some of those big penalties and um, you know, a rough game. The Tennessee game was in great form and ended up getting benched. For Eli Ricks, who you know had his own problems the first half of last year, and then Ricks was the starter, and really the only reason that Terry Arnold played late last year is because of Ricks' concussion. But otherwise, he never really got a starting job back. And then, you know, this spring it seemed like, yeah, you know, he's back in a starting role, he's okay. And then they go out and they get Trey Amos from Louisiana, and that seemed like them kind of hedging that that situation, and they rotated those two guys to start the year and. Uh, Terry Arnold has, has won that battle decisively. It, it, you know, he's played really well in terms of breaking up passes and interceptions and being reliable. And um, I, at this point, I would even argue he might be their third best defensive player behind Kool Aid and Dallas Turner. So, uh, really good for him. Um, and the secondary in general, too. And we add in Caleb Downs and, and how he's played and, and Jalen Key coming in. I think that's, that was a position I was concerned about going into the year, but much less concerned about right now. Uh, Malachi Moore playing really well too. Um, and then, you know, obviously wide receivers, I think is really the position that you have to look at in terms of disappointments and you can kind of pick any of them, um, in terms of, you know, guys who haven't done what you think they would do. And, uh, you know, it's a group that doesn't have a player right now in the top 200 nationally in receiving yards. The, the leaders, Jermaine Burton at 189. Um, but a guy like Malik Benson does stand out to me in terms of we thought he was, going to be this explosive downfield threat and you do have a quarterback who's shown some ability with the deep ball and his arm strength and Benson has five catches for 65 yards hasn't really been that downfield threat quite yet so um, among the wide receivers he might be more disappointed obviously Ja'Cory Brooks hasn't really played uh, so that's more of a playing time issue for him than getting on the field like Benson's been on the field so 
you know, for any of the receivers, it's it's going to be tough with their quarterback situation. But that whole group is is really underperforming, and and I would really have some questions as to how many of those guys are going to be back next year. Because as soon as December fourth hits and the transfer portal opens, I think there's going to be a lot of other schools uh, throwing some money at those guys, saying that you can come to our our school and have more opportunities and, and playing in a, in a much better passing offense where you can create value for yourself. Mike Rodak, Bama 24-7, one final question. Miss Terry did not make the trip to Starkville. Nick Saban said that in his post-game comments. And that's a personal decision, and I, I wouldn't try and pry too much. But that being said, do you know why? I don't. I, I did. I remember last year, or not last year, two years ago, going to Starkville. She was in the post-game press conference room, and she usually is for most road games. So once I walk in there, I tend to see her or notice her because um, a lot of those rooms are very small. Um, and I did not notice her, you know, for that game. So it could have just been, you know, 8 p.m. late night game, not really the most meaningful game in the whole world. So, um, or there could be something else too. I, I honestly don't know. It's not something I've, I personally asked about. I think it's because it was a late game. I think, yeah, it's just late game, man. They didn't get home till what, 2 a.m.? Yep. Hey, Mike. Great stuff as always. I just looked down and 30 minutes has flown by, and that's because your information packed. Read him online at Bama 24-7. Mike, we'll talk again next week. Safe travels to Texas. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Great, great stuff. Uh, coming up with all the really, really good stuff we've provided so far. Lars wants to take a dive into Taylor Swift. <laughs> Gotta get into Taylor Swift. Gotta get that Swift. I'm a Swifty. Aren't you? No. no. Uh, Matt, I've been like, asking like you for over a week to listen, give her a chance. All right, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. We're music give Taylor guys. Taylor Swift a chance? We're music guys, give Matt. a chance. John Lennon. Be back in a minute. <laughs> On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Thursday, 7.30. J.C. Sherbert and Jonas will go around the SEC. Also, Jack Crow will be with us the entire 8 o'clock hour. So tune in to Inside the Locker Room. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm this afternoon. The high today, 85. Fair tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. And for Friday, occasionally cloudy, the chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter. Our producer is Justin Jones. Lars the Swifty Anderson and volleyball extraordinaire has more information on the NFL and Taylor Swift. Okay, let me explain something real quick because you asked about me and challenged me. You said go listen to him because you and I are both just music fanatics. But I haven't yet, and I think that tells a little something that I have not been motivated to do so. Eventually I will, but I don't even, uh, I can't even tell you the title of a song. And I guess I'm very, very much now um, in the minority. Got to get my Swifty on. Yeah, you do. You do. Do you ever change? When's the last time you've listened to her? You know what? I listened to her actually yesterday. I listened to her yesterday. Good for you. <laughs> so how is this affecting the play of the National Football okay, Travis yeah. Kelsey? Yeah, so um, Travis Kelsey, he came out with um, really some breaking news about his relationship with T- Taylor Swift yesterday. Um, and it was on his, his podcast that he does with his brother, who is a uh, Jason Kelsey center for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, the breaking news is that, um, he thinks the NFL is going overboard and that, uh, that the, the, the coverage is just too much Taylor Swift. And he said, you know, I think it's fun when they show who's at the game. I think it brings a little bit more, uh, to the atmosphere, brings a little bit more to what you're watching. But at the same time, they're overdoing it like just kind of you know he's essentially saying calm down calm down but but uh you know it is uh pretty amazing you look at uh the number from the number of viewers from last week of uh the sunday night game between the um chiefs and the jets which (laughs) patrick mahomes for those of us who bet on the Chiefs getting seven and a half, score the touchdown at the end of the game. Yeah, he slid. He, he, oh, he just he, he destroyed me. He destroyed me and many, 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 many people. Anyway, uh, that's not important here. Um, the uh, the broadcast averaged twenty seven million viewers on NBC and digital platforms. Second most wa- most most watched game of the NFL season following uh the the kickoff the the, the first game of the season which had a 27.5 million and uh you know we've discussed the impact that she's had just on the Chiefs on Kelsey and his social media following which has grown by well over half a million uh since uh what nine days ago that <clears throat> Taylor uh appeared in his box with his mom and and then she was again in Kelsey's box sitting next to his mom and I tell you uh Kelsey's mother she's getting a lot of airtime too I mean and she does that uh commercial right with her kids and uh and she she seems to be just a, a really great person but uh I don't know. It's, it's just kind of interesting to see. And, uh, in, in, it'll be, uh, fascinating to watch, like, how the Taylor Swift effect really does impact viewership, uh, in, especially in that female demographic between, you know, 16 to 38 or whatever it is, uh, in, in that range. Um, because, I mean, you got 
Us Weekly writing about it. You got in, I mean, you have Us Weekly to Time Magazine to NPR. I mean, it, it's just all these different outlets that normally would not be even thinking about the NFL. They're thinking about it now because of Taylor Swift. Kelsey's so, on the uh, cover of Vogue. Did you see that? I did no, not. Actually, I made that up. Oh. Hey, here's the deal. Uh, the NFL is not going to stop doing this. What does the NFL want? Viewers. What do viewers say? Uh, yeah. What do they mean? Money. So you think the NFL is not going to continue to do this? You're absolutely crazy. And I wouldn't say this if they were anywhere within a 100 yards of me. But Kelsey guys talking about it on their podcast only makes it, gives it more exposure. And more people are going to watch. And that's a good thing, too. Maybe that's why they did it. But uh, it is, yeah. and then it I, I is over the top, but there's a reason for it, and it's called money. Nielsen uh, ratings, they're reporting that uh, uh, viewership among teen girls ages 12 to 17 is up 53% season to date. Yeah, they're going to stop showing and pictures of her. Women 18 to 24 up 24%. Wow. Women 35 and over up 34 percent no way overall it's a viewership increase of more than two million female viewers i mean this is real that's what this you is want real man yeah that's just, absolutely it's great and you know no, what? I, and that's what they're I, not and paying I, for it they're not having to pay for it i know it, it is uh it is amazing just how much one person and their interest in the game influences so many others. I, I can't, I, I've never seen anything like this before. And this is why it's important. You know, I know uh, some people are being sort of dismissive of it, but no, this is very, very significant. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's unprecedented. So I'm trying to think of something like it. Let me ask you this, though. As as these Hollywood couples go, uh, they usually don't last. Um, what percentage of all these people that have suddenly taken interest in the National Football League will stay with it after they break up? Who knows? Because we've never gone down this path before. <laughs> I think a few um, will stay on, but oh, absolutely, and that's, that's why I think deal. you know there there is there are some sort of curmudgeon writers who are just uh, very dismissive of all of this, and so I think the NFL should be just saying, hey, you know, like, and everybody who covers it and talks about it like we do, hey, come on in. Come, come with us. Experience uh, the joy of this amazing sport. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I think this whole thing is terrific. I read an article last night, and um, to be honest with you, I guess I didn't dive deep enough into it to figure out whether it was being embellished or what. But it was talking about how. Taylor had to have the game explained to her, right down to how many downs and first downs and scoring opportunities. Did you read that? No, but I, I think that's okay. Matt, there, I, I, I actually saw a sheet of notebook paper for the first yeah. game she went to that was broke down historic Chiefs players, how the game works, what are penalties, um, why they're penalties. You know, all the different rules, yeah. when to cheer, when not to cheer. I think even to avoid being canceled, 
not to do the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs um, like the tomahawk chop cheer because you know that's controversial and her her ego. I've got, I've got several European friends and they just they don't understand the appeal of American football. Like wait, you just there's action for four seconds and then it stops. <laughs> because of their, you know, soccer uh, is is the number one sport in the world and uh, in all throughout Europe. And so, look, yeah, I mean, the game has to be explained because if you're just not familiar with it, like all of us, you know, it's in our basically in our DNA. But it's uh, it is a, a somewhat complicated game if you have never sort of studied it and thought about it. If you grew up with it, I mean, it's just secondhand. You, you know everything about yeah. it and all the rules. And, and but uh, speaking about not knowing anything about a game, that would uh, uh, that would qualify the Tampa Rays and Major League Baseball. I don't know if you guys saw any of that, but it was just unbelievable how they made four errors and they had nineteen thousand seven hundred four people. Anyway, the best thing about it is we've got postseason baseball at its finest. And this is Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 711. Again, that's 711. The code is 711. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Indeed, we've got another hour to go on Big News Sports. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Justin Jones, our outstanding producer. And online with us now is the one and only, and folks, I do mean that, Terry Henley. He was number 23 before Michael Jordan, uh, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. He's in the Alabama Hall of Fame, and I could go on and on and on about his successes off the field, but I choose not to. Terry, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm just living that dream. What about y'all? Same thing. I mean, it's football season. I got my postseason baseball. I'm all settled in to just sit in front of the TV. And speaking of TV. Oh, listen, I run down the, I run down the hallway and through the den every now and then. Please approach me past it. So, I mean, that's how excited I am about, you know, fall football. I mean, I'm ready to go. I can it's play it best. every day. It's the best. I mean, what, Terry. What I, would give, what I would give to see that one more time, you know. Well, you could. I'm just not sure it would be safe. <laughs> You're a hell of a running back, well, and I know we're of a different generation, but I, I hope people understand exactly how good you were. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's just like Gene Stallings was hunting one day out in Texas and all of us together. And somebody said, Coach Stallings, could Terry have played for you? Coach Stallings said, hell yeah said, hell yeah, he could play for me. He had to have been the best extra point holder I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never told me that one. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, uh, I'm not going to stray from football, and really I am. I'm going to go to the NFL because I would just love to get Terry Henley's thoughts on Taylor Swift adding 2 million viewers to telecasts. Are you a Swifty, Terry? Do you listen to her? 
Listen, if if I could have gotten rid of this country voice, I might have been a movie star. But I couldn't get rid of they. Every time I went to audition for something, they said they already had a Jethro. You know what I mean? So so I couldn't get over this country voice. But you know, doggone, that's making money. That's moving the needle, isn't it, buddy? She did it. My goodness. But can I tell you something? Elvis Presley would have brought. He would have brought more than that in. Oh, you know yeah. you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, as with the Beatles, but the, don't know many people that's who can right. cause this big of a stir. Uh, Terry, right. I'm assuming yeah. you were uh, in the lovely village this past Saturday, correct? You got that right. I, I know that was a tough question. Um, Terry, I've been told by several people that were there that it was about as electric a crowd, and they stayed in it until the zeros were up. Was does it compare to any other games? Was it among the top five, ten that you've ever been to? It, it was exciting. It was loud. It was exciting. They did. They. They was not a quiet moment. You know, usually you have a letdown somewhere. You know, a little four half or the start of the third quarter because people got up, and went to the concession stands, just making it back to their seats or something like that. But listen, that third quarter it started off with a boom. You know. Uh, right off the bat, and and uh, the Auburn people uh, came to to watch the Auburn Tigers that day with uh, with uh, a mission, and their mission was they were going yeah they're going to play their part of uh, keeping Georgia disrupted. And look, it, look you look at the penalties that Georgia had. What they I believe they had seven or nine if I remember right, seven or nine penalties, and. Uh, and then they had the t- turnovers and things that went along with that. Listen, a team that doesn't have any of that, which Auburn didn't have but one penalty, no turnover, you stand a very good chance of winning those ball games. You really do. And I think the crowd played a very big part in that Saturday. Terry, uh, I, I, I was just so impressed uh, with Auburn. And the number one thing that uh, – that, that, affirmed to me i think what i already suspected is that the kids are really embracing hugh freeze because they were playing so hard and you just didn't see that effort level last year just just your thoughts just again on on effort level and 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 what that reflects on hugh freeze i told him at lunch in monday morning that uh that that i thought they played their hearts out I thought they played their hearts out, even though a lot of them had uh, never been in a situation like that. They were transfers in and never experienced it, that, okay? Uh, Hugh Freeze, uh, three minutes into the game, I turned to a friend of mine sitting with me, and I told him, I said, Hugh Freeze is calling the plays. I knew it without even three minutes into the game, okay? There was no question. Or, and, they, and then we just played with another step, and and now listen, you know, when you got the number 19 over there and you got a good quarterback and doggone, some of those things are just hard to control. You know what I mean? You just, you know, they don't make a play. Great players make, make great plays in great games. And, and that's what happened Saturday. They just made one more than us and we won the turnover and the penalty battles, but, um, you know, and played our hearts out, but just wasn't enough. But the one thing that comes from this, guys, the one thing that comes from this, losing leaves a bad taste in your mouth. 
losing leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now, I never played on any losing football team, but we never lost the four games the whole time I was at Auburn. But those four games we lost, we went back to practice the next day. We went back to practice, and we wanted that taste out of our mouths. If somebody can go get their tail whooped the next week. I think if you look objectively at uh, this Auburn team, uh, they're deficient at the quarterback position. But isn't it encouraging if you are an Auburn fan that uh, you know that Hugh Freeze is going to get that problem solved here in the very new, near future, right? There's no question about it. You know, he did his best. He did his best when he brought Peyton Thorne and he – he was in the portal from the day that he came into Auburn. He knew immediately what he was looking for. He knew immediately what he had on the team. And he went looking for that that transfer quarterback that would fit. You know, a couple of them we got outbid on. The boy, I believe, um, um, the boy went to where did he go? South Carolina or or whatever. We one of them we had our our ticket. Uh, our, our ticket already punched to have him and and uh, even helped him get Jimmy Andrews to operate on him and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he left us at the, at the altar. It might have been he went to Ohio State uh, uh, from You're South Carolina. But ended he, up at Notre Dame? You talking about Sam Hartman? Yeah, wait, that was the boy from South Carolina, wasn't it? Wasn't he from was South from Carolina? Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Wake Forest, yeah. You know, anyway, I but, get, that's, I guess. But we so. got left at the altar on, on one of those. And, and so he was doing his best to try to find somebody. Now, listen, sometimes you strike it out, and some of it, some of it's all to do about money, you know. Some of it's all to do about money. And, and uh, I know some of these teams would certainly want to, a refund on some of the players they got. <laughs> Maybe it's Drake May. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Terry, uh, assess running back play at Auburn University. Oh, listen, I think they I think they got a, a stable of running backs, and they bring different different style. You know, Hunter Hunter brings a, a little speed and, a, and some and some strength and batter batter. You know, my goodness, he's a quick little thing. You know, and and then you got Anson coming there and there's a strong runner, and then you bring in twenty three there with Jeremy Cobb. And he can take it to the house on you in just a blink of an eye, you know. So I think running back wise, they, they are in pretty good shape. But if they if they just get a little more blocking out of the line, but I thought they ran some great plays, Saturday. I thought they ran some great plays to get the running backs on the corner. Yeah, uh, again, I just so impressed. Uh, talk about the defense a little bit and, uh, uh, what you saw and, and also uh, as a corollary to that, Brock Bowers may be the best player in the country pound for pound. And it was, he was just amazing. And I don't have a Heisman vote anymore, but right now I think I'd have Brock Bowers at the top. Uh, well, I said I said it. I watched him warm up and watching him warm up. I, I said this guy needs one in the house trophy. Him just warming up, you know, catching the ball with one hand, and then in the game catching two passes with one hand. You know, it's just he, he he's a sensational player, and I I totally agree that he should win it. That hands down win it. I mean, he is he is the bottom. Uh, he is what the Heisman Trophy stands for. Period. Period. Hey, you know, hey, Terry. Defense, 
defensive yeah, again, wise, on the defense. You know, yeah, defensive wise, the the off week is coming at a good time for them because they got Simpson beat up, they got two other defensive backs beat up, and they got to get healthy. They got to get healthy to make his run, you know, down the line. And, and so, I'm just uh, hoping these guys get well and, and come back in full strength and ready to play here when we go to LSU. Terry, I didn't ask you earlier. Can you hang on? This is just too good stuff. Too good of stuff. Yeah. Can you hang on through the break? All right. Terry yeah. Henley is our guest on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Join Tide One. Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm this afternoon. The high today, 85. There tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. And for Friday, occasionally cloudy. The chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Many of our interviews concerning college football, Alabama, Auburn, nationwide are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. By the way, she'll be with us day after tomorrow, Friday at Innisfree, downtown Tuscaloosa, talking some football. Let me tell you, Laura Lee knows her stuff. Hey, Terry, I, I want to turn back the dial, the early 70s, when you were putting on that number 23. Uh, because, we, yeah, I hadn't gotten you to tell this story in a while. Tell everybody why you stopped fumbling. Well, I, I stopped fumbling because I was afraid of Coach Jordan, you know. But uh, I stopped fumbling also because I didn't want to carry that A and B groceries back around anymore. They're early. I don't know. Yep, that's okay. What? We got a fire alarm, son? No, it's all good. Uh, no, Terry, you told me that you fumbled in a game, and when you came to the yeah. sideline, Jordan had a little come to meet. Oh, there ain't no question about that now. Listen, you fumble three times in the Georgia Tech game in the first half, you have a good prayer meet. But, uh, the, and I fumbled three times, and then the next week we played Mississippi State, and, uh, and I make a good run down the sideline. I catch myself. They hit me, and I catch myself, catch myself, and I'm hopping along the ground with my arm on the ground and and doggone the boy slaps the ball out of my hand and so i go to the sideline and uh, you know toss my helmet down and everything and and uh coach Jordan pulls me over there and he says listen i want you to look me in the eye right now and you tell me you're not gonna fumble anymore and i said i promise you i'm not gonna fumble anymore i never fumbled another time and Auburn history, and I carried the ball more times than anybody in my senior year that had ever carried it. You know, and uh, never fumbled another time. Terry, I, I want to stick with your career. 
um, after uh, your your stellar days at, at Auburn, uh, you played in the uh, NFL. Uh, you uh, were with the Falcons and then uh, the Redskins and the Patriots. And then in 76, I believe, you said that uh, you were going to, you know, not play ball anymore and, and go back to Birmingham to sell insurance. And I, I've well, just been so fascinated lately with uh, the idea of, of letting go. Right. And, and, uh, and, and how difficult was that for you to finally come to the conclusion that it, it, it's time to, to stop and move on to the next phase of your life? This is a nationwide test of the emergency alert system issued by the Federal Emergency Management Agency covering the United States from 2.20 to 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. This is only a test. No action is required by the public. He had been a track guy, I believe, uh, he threw the... Tight he end, he right? was a yeah. black guy through the javelin or something, if I remember right. But when I saw him run the cones, you know what I mean? I knew my days were over. You know, I knew it's even though I was stronger and and bigger than I'd ever been, it it just I saw it slipping away from me. It just uh, um, looking around at the talent and Andy Johnson was there and. And he was limited, too, on him from Georgia, you remember, because they put him and brought him back. And, you know, it was just a it was a changing game at that time. And and you had to be big, you had to be strong and you had to be fast, I mean, to, to play it. And and it was a sad day for me the day I walked in and I, I told uh, Coach Earhart that, you know, what I mean, I wasn't coming back, you know, and uh, Coach, Coach Fairbanks, same thing. Uh, you know, they said, well, go home and think about it. And, you know, let's see, talk about it another month or so. And they called me a month later and I told them I was walking away. So, you know, it's a sad thing. I love the game. I think it's the greatest game that's ever been invented. I thank the good Lord for him letting me play the game. I thank the good Lord for having great teammates, great coach, and all the fun and stories that I've gathered uh, through my career and life. It's just, it's just been wonderful for me, guys. Terry, I, I do have a quick follow-up, uh, and this is a hypothetical, and it's something I've been thinking about lately, too, for uh, a, a different project that I'm working on. But what if you, uh, you're, you're at the sort of height of your athletic power and you're doing great in the NFL, and then the love of your life says, I really want you to stop playing? What would you do? Oh, geez, that's unfair. Well, you, you, I had a busload of them. I would have to say that because I didn't have just one. <laughs> Terry, I mean, look, I didn't get married. I, I didn't get married. I was thirty-two years old. You know, <laughs> so, so I, I, I think that was a, 
you'd have to have a busload of them tell me that first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Darren, that might be the best. That might be the best the response best to a question we've ever had on this show. <laughs> this Matt and I, Matt, we've been doing the show for well over a year now. Oh my God, and it doesn't surprise me in the least that Terry Henley came up with it. Um, quick uh, question about your physical weight at the height. What was your height and weight? And you're 40. It's a, the, the biggest I ever was was uh, I got to 193 pounds when I was uh, with viewing Patriots, and I was too big. Uh, but the most, uh, usually I was right on, I was six foot, 187 pounds. I, and it would fluctuate from 184 to 187. Yeah. And, and Terry, you're uh, you're in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame class of 2000. Um, just in your estimation, who, who's the greatest running back? Okay, two questions. Who's the greatest running back to come out of the state of Alabama? And then also, who's the greatest running back of all time? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you who I think is the greatest running back of all time. You know what I mean? Uh, it's uh, I think his name is Bo, but I'm on, I'm, I'm on, I think it's Bo. Yeah, but he's got a he's got a, a guy wearing number twenty three, and it's not Brown chasing him. It's me. <laughs> See what I mean? A school bus full of them, and he's, he's right behind Bo. Oh, no, I'm looking at, I'm like, Matt, Matt, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a story from, uh, 1974 and the headline is confident Terry Henley is still talking. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I, listen, I love the media. I 50 love years the media. ago. Listen, I, I love yeah. the media. I mean, I love them. We, we had sat in the dressing room. I, Every one of them was gone. I'd be the last guy they talked to. I'll never forget I was telling, I don't know, Clyde Bolton or, or Mr. Smothers and guys sometimes, I could, or Louis Gazard or whoever. I mean, I had them all. And, and one of them said, hey, you didn't tell me that story. I said, well, y'all don't want to write about the same thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I had something for them all. But I loved the media guys. I mean, they were just wonderful people to me and just um, – you know, we we had a good time, and and I was a talker back then. You know, and everybody else, it was kind of new. Nobody did that, but you know, I liked those guys, and still do. Yeah, you called Coach Bryant crazy. That's correct. Crazy old man. That's correct. Is what I think the quote is. That's correct. <laughs> Who would do that's, that? That's correct. Uh, hey Terry, I don't think I've yeah. ever asked you this. Who lit you up? Yeah. Who? What's the toughest lick ever delivered, and who who gave it to you? Well, I ran out of bounds in Kentucky one time and hit two of the cheerleaders. I mean, I think there I started licking up the guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Terry Henley. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the thing about it. People say, yeah, like, you're not all beat up like all these other guys. You walk straight. You still go work out and all this stuff and said, you know, why is that? I said, because I ran out of bounds. I, I mean, I had no dumb here, baby. I ran out of bounds. Can you hit me now? <laughs> and uh, you didn't fumble. Otherwise, you'd have been punched by a coach. That's right. Yep. All right. All right, Terry. It's uh, always a pleasure. <laughs> 
and always fun to catch up with you. We appreciate yeah. it, and I know we'll see you down the road. Hey, how's that car coming along? All right, they almost finished with the upholstery. Tell everybody what it is. What, what is the car? What's nineteen fifty three? The Deluxe the Chevrolet, uh, custom Deluxe, and got a LS four in it and air condition, all these things. It's a it's a beautiful car. It's a beautiful car. It's painted rally green and cream white for roof, and it is a beautiful car that I'm gonna go on Route sixty six in. Lars Terry used to have, I think it was a Pontiac station wagon that was painted uh, a similar green. Didn't you have yeah. like longhorns yeah. on the hood? Oh yeah, yeah. I had those horns put on the hood of it out there. Yeah, had those had those blinking lights all underneath and everything, just like a redneck. Any redneck monster has that on their car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Uh, love it. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, Terry. See you soon. Thank you, Terry Hanley. Former Auburn running back, and uh, as I kind of squeezed in there, uh, vanity was never lost on Terry Henley. He has a, a, a like a trailer that he hauls around, and he picks up art, artifacts and signs and stuff from all over the South, and it's got a big number 23 on it, <laughs> like Jordan would have. Anyway, um, Kevin Harvick was disqualified in second place finish in the Yellowwood 500. Plus, we'll recap the race and its effects on our state with Russell Brannon of the Talladega Super Speedway. That's coming up on Big News Sports. Built to win. Ball game. Alabama wins. Built for championship. Heading for the pylon. Get the race. Wins the race. Touchdown, Alabama. Built by Bama. Crimson Tide plays here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide pick on Texas A&M at Kyle Field. Our coverage begins at 11.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. You can win a Dodge. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big News Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. All right, got that going on, and we got this going on. I'm sure we'll be joined by Talladega here in just a second, but uh, I know you're not a huge baseball guy. I know that you do watch postseason, and yesterday it was on all day long. Today it's on all day long as the play-in, the wild card games are being uh, being played, and the Twins beat the... Uh, Blue Jays, 3-1. to one. Diamondbacks came from behind to beat the Brewers, 6-3. Phillies beat the Marlins, 4-1. I do not want the Phillies to win that series. For some reason, they play the Braves really tough. And, of course, the is winner it, of that series. Bryce Harper? Give you a little yeah, scare. Bryce Harper. Yeah. Yeah. That dude the whole amazing. team was. They just, they just seems. Yeah, he's a, he's a very, very good player. And I think he's matured, too. Because when he first came on the scene as a 19-year-old, he was a little bit of a... T- okay. You got it. And then... And um, Texas beat the Rays four to nothing, and the Rays played in Lars. Listen, this is post game, okay? This is playoff baseball, Major League Baseball in Tampa. Nineteen thousand seven hundred and four people attended at Tropicana. That's embarrassing. 
I mean, that's absolutely embarrassing. It is the lowest attendance for any postseason game since 1919. And you remember what happened in 1919, uh, you know, the Chicago Black Sox. Um, but that game was actually in Cincinnati who won that series. But in the process of losing to Texas, they made four errors, and they were Little League-like. I'm sorry. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not giving Little Leagues credit. But that, anyway, there's... And, yes. they, and they want to build a new stadium there. It makes me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> I guess they're going to have to to you know keep the team. But, yeah, it's only going to seat 30,000. I have never been in it. I've seen it. Have you all ever seen it or been in it? You have. Of course you have. You lived there. I, I've been to uh, I've been to one game there. Yes, it's a nice stadium. I, I like the trot, but it's in St. Pete. It's hard to get yep. to. You have to go over the the bay to get to it. Yeah, I go over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it looks it's, like it's, it's slanted. It's, it's a traffic nightmare. Uh, I only know it because you know when I was spending time with the Bruce Arians and the Bucks, I was always down in Tampa, and I'd go past the stadium a lot. And maybe maybe a. Uh, Mr. Russell here can give us his opinion on it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's talk baseball with Russell Branham. Uh, Russell with the Talladega hey, Super Speedway. Hey, 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 man, how you doing? Hey, let, let me tell you this. this. The coolest stadium that I've been in is in Houston, Texas, where the Astros play. you talking about a cool stadium. It's unbelievable. It's just one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. So if you have, if you have not been there... My son and I flew out there this past summer just to go and watch an Astros game, and then we watched a um, an international soccer game the next night uh, where the uh, Houston Texans play. So two great venues there, but I really, really loved uh, where the Astros play. It's really, really cool. It's Minute Maid Park, and it has the retractable roof, right? Yes, and it has a train every time. You know, if they, they, they hit a home run, they've got a choo-choo train that goes and got a conductor in it. He's getting the fans all wound up. It was just, it was the greatest thing about it. It was a hundred and something degrees outside, but it wasn't on the inside. It was just so cool. Totally cool from a temperature standpoint, but it was just a great atmosphere. You know, they all got something playing on the, uh, the loudspeakers, interactions during each inning. It was just really, we sat right behind uh, home plate and sort of set up. You could see everything to perfection. It was just a really, really great experience. And, and literally, I parked three blocks from the ballpark. Wow. It's unbelievable. Now, that's a big plus. All right, Russell, let's talk about Talladega and the news that was released yesterday that Kevin Harvick goes from second to 38th. It was a fastener on the windshield issue. Can you give us any more information on that? It, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, it's, it's really it's black and white. There are rules that NASCAR has in place, and it says that those 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 mechanisms that go down there that hold that windshield on has to be completely and firm in place. Now, according to uh, Kevin's crew chief, undoubtedly that car had been raced different times this year, and basically he feels like that they had been wallowed out over time. You know, changing windshields. And I guess during the course of the race, either they were already loose or they came loose. And at the end of the day, when they check those things after a race, if it's a violation, they're going to call you on. So somebody may say, well, that doesn't really seem fair. That doesn't really seem like that's a legitimate enough reason to disqualify somebody. But a rule's a rule. You know, in, in, in today's NASCAR, you know, there's a rule book that they all have to abide by. You know, it's the same thing with height. 
uh, weight, different things that, that are, that are looked upon before the race, you know, just say that windshield came off during a race, you know, going 200 miles per hour and it hits another car, busts another windshield. I mean, a lot of things that are done today from a, from a rules, uh, avenue is looking at the safety aspect. So when you do something that, that's wrong that could make a safety hazard or something that is wrong that should have been corrected beforehand, and if, the, and if the holes were too big, that it should have been fixed before they brought it to the racetrack. So, um, again, it's a rules violation, pretty clear cut. So that didn't give Kevin an aerodynamic advantage, did it? No. Um, no. I don't, I don't think it gave him an, an aero advantage at all. Just a rules violation. It's the same thing of, mm. like I say, height, weight, uh, anything that is defined in the rule book. You know, again, every team has it. And I know we're getting near the, the, the end part of the season. And some of those things may not be checked like they were, you know, in February or March. Uh, I mean, but it, I hate it for Kevin because, you know, it was a, it was a good story. It still is a good story. Uh, the, the move that Ryan made on him, you know, going down to the Alabama game super stretch on the last lap was fantastic. And for him to be able to win, you know, such a close range there. Uh, and then Kevin finished second in his last attempt there, I thought was really, really cool. So it, you hate that it happened, but but it happens. Uh, you, you, but it doesn't happen very much, not at Talladega. Uh, the, 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 according to what I've read uh, on ESPN.com, that it's uh, Kevin's the first of any Cup Series uh, driver to be DQ'd at a plate race since uh, Marty Robbins in 1972. So it just raises the question, no, like, here's, no, I, I, no, I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm serious. Oh, I know, like, I know. But like, they didn't have restrictor plates when Marty Robbins was racing. But it was. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start singing a country song here in a minute. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he was very popular, though, wasn't he? Um, anyway, he was, no, I just, he was uh, popular amongst the fans, and he was popular amongst the drivers uh, way back when. That, that number 42 always had a, a very, very pretty. Uh, sort of a burgundy or purple and yellow look, uh, number 42. That was before Kyle Petty uh, became a 40 or after Lee Petty, rather. So cool stuff, man. But, yeah, you're right, Lars. That, you know, there's always a time for, for something to happen when you least expect it. And, you know, Talladega is known for, for crazy things to happen. So it really doesn't surprise me, you know. Hey, uh, take a minute and just assess the weekend. Great truck race, great weather great yellowwood 500 um deep first of all russell deep do they do crowd estimates anymore we still do we had over a hundred thousand folks there on sunday which was fantastic um we had a lot of great support you know leading into a race you know we try to tell our fans to get their tickets as early as they can that way you can go and guarantee your seat uh so sometimes if you wait the last minute you may not get exactly what you want uh, but I do know we had great weather, and great weather always helps us to sell tickets you know, whenever we're getting closer to an event. So uh, we couldn't have asked for weather any better. Uh, the results that we had in the truck race, again, on Saturday were, were, was fantastic. Blaney doing what he did. I mean, he really needed to win a race, and, and this was probably his best shot uh, at Talladega, third win. Uh, there again by a very, very close margin. His other two victories had come at a point zero zero seven second. He was James Bond in his two movies, uh, not his movie, but his two wins here at Talladega. So, uh, very, very close again, but not quite as close. Um, Friday night, man, we had our rodeo 
and it's really the first time that I've been I made you know been so involved in the production of it and getting it going and all the preparation. It was so so cool. Right in the infield, uh, we had the, the stands were packed. We had just people just everywhere, just busting at the seams, and everyone was having a great time. And then of course Saturday night, Hardy performed, uh, did a great job. It's, it's the, by far the biggest concert we've ever had uh, with our traditional Saturday night concert. So. Everything just fell into place. We had our STEM program uh, with uh, a little less than 700 kids on Friday morning. Had a lot of driver support there. Brett Holmes uh, was there. Uh, Grant Enfinger participated. Uh, Rajah Karuz. There's a number of folks that participated in that. So um, just a lot of great things. I mean, you really, you, you really couldn't have uh, produced a script to me that would be any better than the way everything wound up. But just a super, super weekend. And now, of course, we're all gearing up for the Geico 500 weekend, which will be sometime next spring, and um, can't wait for that. Hey, Mr. Russell, uh, this is Justin, the, the producer for the show here. I was actually there. Um, it was my second time at Talladega, and me and Matt had been uh, talking about it these past couple days. Had a blast. It was incredible, I think, both times that I went. You said about 100,000 fans. Can you talk about... I guess the fans that aren't in the stadium, because I think the first thing you notice as you're getting even close to the raceway is the speedway is your campers, your tents that are set up. It's it's almost like an Alabama football game here in Tuscaloosa, where <laughs> the it, the environment is it spreads out, and there's even more people just <clears throat> watching and experiencing um, outside. Yeah, that's that's the cool thing about it. The atmosphere, uh, you know, we say this is more than a race. This is Talladega because the racing is the cherry on top of the hot fudge Sunday. Everything else is what is the event, what is the, the arena of what is Talladega, uh, of just going and having fun. Uh, the midway, but the camping is something that has become synonymous with Talladega. And, again, it's not only on the inside of the racetrack, which we got a packed house, but also on the outside, we've got so many great campgrounds that have trees all around it. Uh, you can have a you put up your tent, have a nice shaded area, bring your RV. It really is a pilgrimage, sort of a, a almost like a, instead of family reunions, it's family reunions and friend reunions because you make friends of people for years and years and years, and they all keep coming back. So uh, it's just a fun, fun place. And you know, someone asked me, they said, you know, if you could go to any racetrack to go watch a race and be there as a, as a, as a fan for the weekend, I, I always say I couldn't go because I work at Talladega. If I, if I never work at Talladega, if I leave one day, I will want to come back and experience it as a fan because I see what it is, and it is just so much fun. But, you know, our fans are what make it. You know, you, you throw all the ingredients in a bowl and, and bake the cake. Well, the fans are such a huge part of what we do, and they really make Talladega what it is. Russell, I've literally been to every single track on the circuit and no question that, that Talladega from, I think, a fan perspective is, uh, is the most thrilling on so many levels. But I, I know we got to go here in a second, but, um, when you talk to fans who come for the first time, what is it that they tell you that they're just absolutely most amazed by when they get to Talladega? The, I, the biggest thing is the enormity of the racetrack of how big it is and the fact that we do have video boards that line the front stretch behind pit road that allow the fans in the stands to see what you see at home you, so if you're at home in your couch you know you get to see everything well here you, you you're sitting in your seat but you get to feel it taste it smell it breathe it touch it 
and that's what makes it special. You got to be there to see it because there's nothing like seeing 200 mile per hour racing at three and four wide coming by the you know through the front straightaway and 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 then watching it on the video boards as they go by. There's just nothing about the scream of those engines. It's just second to none. And uh, to know what those guys do, they're, they're gladiators in those race cars. Again, I give Ryan Blaney a lot of credit. He made one heck of a move. He had one. He had just enough room to do what he did, and it paid off. So now he's in the next round of the playoffs. He got his third Vulcan trophy. Uh, so glad of our partnership with the Vulcan Museum there in Birmingham. Um, again, you can't lift it because it weighs over 130 pounds, but... He took some nice photos with it. So uh, he, 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 they've already ordered one extra. Team Penske's already reached out and said we need one more. So one uh, will go to Ryan and one will go to Team Penske. One goes to the captain. Uh, That's hey, it. captain uh, can afford it. Yep. Yeah, Russell, uh, you guys do a great job. It's a pleasure working with you. We thank you. and Thank you, Russell. Tell everybody where thank they you, can Lord. find hey. you. Get tickets. Hey, and, and, and Matt. You know, you're a legend there, baby. You're you're the voice of Talladega. We love you, man. It's an honor. Thank thank you very much. And I'll uh, if I don't see you before, I know you'll I'll see you in the spring. Thanks, Russell. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Right. See ya. Appreciate it. com. Um, anything you want to know about the track and tickets is there. We got to get to a break on Big Noon Sports. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Jonas tomorrow as we turn our conversation to recruiting with Max Recruiting. We'll also have in the zone as we look at which units need to perform the best if Alabama's going to get the victory over Texas A&M. We'll have that conversation and more on the Martin Houston Show powered by Max Sports. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm this afternoon. The high today, 85. The air tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. And for Friday, occasionally cloudy. The chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. So, I mean, it's, it's more personal for sure. It's more personal for sure. But um, like I was saying earlier, um, I kind of know what Nick Saban expects, you know what I'm saying, from his offense, from his defensive side. And I'm not trying to be, like, cocky or nothing, but, like, his class, my brother's class, they was nice. You know what I'm saying? They was real nice. And no disrespect to Alabama right now, but them boys was always – one, two, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was no question. And right now, with the rankings, I guess you could say that they're, I ain't even going to say that. But, like, at the same time, I, I know what Nick Saban wants, and we're going we gonna to mess that up, you know what I'm saying? So if them boys don't got no momentum for real, we're going to have to take that away immediately. So, for sure. I seen something that said he knows what Coach Saban wants. And when I seen that, I was kind of like, what does Coach Saban want? Like, I mean, I've been here three years, and I don't know what the guy wants. So, I mean, I don't really know. Like, if, if we're being honest, I don't even really know. Victory, uh, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> wow. Let's give them locker room material. Let's insult your coach. Wow. Uh, I, you know you know who would have done that? Terry Henley. Um, 
Anaya Smith is an All-American wide receiver and a heck of a player. And Bama fans already know that, and he will factor into this game. The response was from Terry and Arnold, who will get to know him a little bit better this weekend as well, as he's a cornerback for the University of Alabama. But um, he, he kept pausing and pausing and pausing, and then he said he's going to mess him up. <clears throat> so uh, we'll see. But I like the way Arnold responded. <laughs> he, he doesn't know what Saban wants. Yeah. Um... A really good response. A really good response in uh, the the A and M wide receiver. Like he, he knew he was going down a path, sort of uh, logically that he didn't want to. He said at one point, he's like, "Now nah, I'm not going to go there," but then he goes there. He, so, but you know what? That's what I do all the time too. I'm like, I shouldn't say this, but then I say it. So, uh, you talk I mean, yourself I, into it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> is what you, you do. do when when in <laughs> so, most cases you should just kind of go next question. Which, yes. by the way, I don't think there's a better example that I've gotten here recently of a player reflecting his coach. Yeah, yeah. Jimbo, yep. Arnold, Saban. Hey, let's take a phone call to wrap up the show. Let's go to Joseph, who has joined us on the Big News Sports. How you doing, Joseph? Hello, Joe. Joe sounds like Hello? he tosses. His... Hey, Joe, you're Hello? on. You're on Big Noon Sports. How y'all doing? How y'all doing Good. today? Fantastic. I, I heard what Anaya Smith said. I wouldn't call it his part. The best thing you can do, you got to play Alabama that week. It's kind of hush. But um, I think this play is going to come down to pop that big special teams play because these teams are probably pretty evenly matched. But, I mean, I think it's going to come down to a big special teams play. Or And I heard, also heard Jimbo Fisher that he wants to make Miro beat him with his arm. When he rushes the passer, he don't want to give him any pocket lane. So he's going to try to make Miro beat him with his arm, which that's the way you, that's the way you beat out. That's the way Texas Longhorns beat us. They made Miro try to beat us with his arm, and he couldn't. And I believe so Joseph, that's Joseph does that mean uh, they're going to put like seven guys at the line of scrimmage to um, shut down the run and just uh, make Jalen uh, hit those intermediate throws that he's been struggling with this year? Uh, I don't know. Take, uh, from what I heard, they said Texas Longhorns didn't even attack the box. They said sometimes they were just rushing three and four guys a lot of times. I mean, so it's a really according to how dominant A&M line is. If A&M line is pretty dominant, uh, Alabama's going to have some trouble. I mean, because they had trouble with Longhorns. They're going to have trouble with a- A&M if their defensive line is very dominant. And they won't have to roar seven guys if, our, if, our, if, if their defensive line beat no offensive line. They can they can rush three or four guys, and, you know, and and get to the rush and stop the rush and make Mero beat beat them with the arm. Rarely uh, are games so you know specifically defined, but in my opinion, this one is. Alabama's got to be able to run, and Texas A&M's going to win. They better be able to stop it. I think it is that plain and simple. There's no oh, there doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that if you're one dimensional in college football, a, a team is going to stop you. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, 
Because, I mean, you get to Kirby Smart, and he's the best defensive coordinator in the country, which he's a head coach, I know, but he's also one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. He's going to take what you're good at away. He's going to make you do what you're bad at. And, that, and I mean, eventually you're going to have to do what you're bad at, and if you can't do it, then you lose. Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Matt, I was just, uh, you made a great point. I think this all comes down to Alabama's offensive line. Yep. That's the game right there, Alabama's offensive line. That's not just the game, that's the season. Because if Alabama can run the ball, that sets up so much for Milrow. And you don't have to score that many points with Alabama's defense, Alabama's O-line. Man, I tell you what, their defense is about as fun as any I've seen under Saban, under Bryan, under Stallings. Man, they fly around the football, and they're pretty darn smart. Hey, Lars, we got to go. Y'all have a wonderful day. Have a blessed day. The universal truth of 